Hi, I'm David Farrier. For a monthly podcast about conspiracy theories, it's the elephant in the room. It's a loud, confusing, and very annoying elephant. And you want to ignore the elephant, but then you remember that ignoring the elephant was how this whole ridiculous problem started in the first place. Now the elephant's fully grown and creating chaos wherever it goes. Yes, this clunky metaphor elephant is QAnon. Starting life as a cute little thing on the internet, it grew into a real-life monstrosity that eventually rampaged through Congress and challenged the very nature of our reality. Okay, so very quickly. QAnon kicked off back in 2017 when Donald Trump made a very cryptic comment while in a room full of military generals. It was more of a mumble than a comment, but what Trump said was so weird it stood out. He said, maybe it's the calm before the storm. Then a puzzled reporter said, what storm, Mr. President? To which Trump said, you'll find out. Everyone was like, what the hell are you talking about? But then an anonymous person turned up on an anonymous message board full of other anonymous people. There, they pretended to be a military intelligence team called Q, posting some cryptic comments about the calm before the storm. And you know what? A bunch of people forgot everything that MTV's Catfish had taught them, and they believed Q was who they said they were. And for years, Q posted thousands of so-called drops, cryptic little messages that told this giant, sprawling, thrilling story. A story worthy of a Tom Clancy novel, but with more plot holes than every 90s action film combined. The story pointed towards Donald Trump unsealing a great mass of indictments, which would lead to mass arrests of criminals in the deep state, Hollywood, big business, technology, and pop culture. You know, all the people who have spent the last 30 years ignoring good old American values. This was supposedly the storm that Trump had talked about. And as Q's story got increasingly complex and outrageous, it got more and more fans. Digital soldiers who took oaths and believed in all things QAnon. Some of those fans ended up getting seats in Congress. Others decided to kidnap kids and kill some people. Later, a bunch of them got angry that Q's vision hadn't come true, so they stormed Congress in an attempt to kill Mike Pence in the hopes of reversing the election results. That didn't go so well. All that's been and gone, which raises the question now, what next? What happened to Q and what happened to all our brains? Is there even a line left between fanciful inane stories people make up and the reality that we live in? So this is the QAnon episode. But first, this is Bob Mervak's theme song. I was driving here because you guys were a bit ahead of time, and then it was a very narrow street, and I'm driving through Eagle Rock, and I come to all these cars that just backed up, and I was like, okay. So I sat there for about five minutes, and I was like, oh, and I, went, I couldn't reverse out because there were cars behind me. Yeah. 
And so I was like, what, what do you do? So I got out and I walked down the street mm. and this woman was like, can you please help? And she looked oh. so stressed out. Oh my God. And she was like, this woman in front of me won't move. And I look oh. there and surely enough, there is a car and it's this sort of, sort of furious looking woman. No. Staring off a row of cars winding up the street. She was like, she won't move, so can you please just steer me through so I don't crash into her car or crash into this other car? And so I was there, and I was sort of waving her through, sort of signaling, oh, you've got like two centimeters aside, and I rushed <laughs> to the other side of a car. You've got... And this other woman in the car just sat there staring straight ahead, fuming. Mm. And so I let that woman through, and then next in line was a huge mail truck. Couldn't fit. Okay. So I turned to this woman, and I was like, can you please back up? I don't know what's going on. And she was like, I've got right away. These people do not have right away. I've got right away. Okay. And I'm like, but this isn't an option. Like you're going to have to back up or all of us can't come down. Yeah. So I'm not moving. And so I just calmly sort of talked to her. And I was like, please, I'm, like, I'm late to this podcast. <laughs> this poor mailman's got to deliver all the mail for this Aww. whole neighborhood. And I know someone's wronged you and you've got right of way. I don't fucking know if she had right of way. I know. <laughs> right, right. And she was like, you've spoken to me so nicely. <gasps> I will back up. Oh, my god! And all these people cheered. No. Because the, the, the houses were all looking down at this point because this had been going on for a while before I got there. Oh, boy. Anyway, she backed up. Wow. Everyone came through and it was fine. But what I realized is that everyone was just so angry in their own little pockets of cars. Right. And no one got out of their cars mm -hmm. to just talk and be like, hey, like, what's going on? Where are we at here? Everyone's <laughs> just like, fuck you. And oh. everyone's so angry that nothing was ever going to happen. So oh, my point is, is you're a huge hero. <laughs> You really helped. It was the weirdest Jesus thing. Christ, Bethlehem. I, like the whole time you're telling the story, I'm just filled with shame. It's burbling. Just quickly, is yeah. there a right of way thing? When you're going up a hill and other cars are coming the other way and there's not enough room for two lanes, you're sort of weaving in and out of parked cars the whole time. Is there a right of way thing? Was this woman no. in the... No. I don't even really understand the circumstance. I, I think they were on a, a tight... Residential street uh -huh. with cars parked on either side. Right. And Correct. about 1.9 car widths in between. Correct. So people are coming down. Right. And they're pulling into a parking spot, letting that person yes. pass. And everyone's shuffling. Mm -hmm. Yes. We're shuffling. But she has decided that she's going to wait for someone all the way at the top to break and give some huge yes. right away. That was exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And that is no, not how she should do it. It, it would not work that way. Oh, it was. Yeah. It was. That would wild require though. traffic attendants, so which it impressed. sounds like you, you became one. I don't know. And I guess the thing is, you typically maybe you shouldn't get out of your cars because you'll do that, and eventually the angry person will have a gun and they'll shoot you. Right? That's America That's to me. The fear, yeah. But it was just. I think it was just a woman who'd had a really bad day, and she was sort of like sick of being cut off all the time, and she needed to get home, and she was like. Stuff it. I'm going to make these people reverse. But they wouldn't. Yeah. And that's where we all were. Anyway, it was just a weird thing. But I, I got here on time, but it was a weird thing. It was a weird standoff. And I was the only one sort of waving traffic through. I was talking to all these people. And then I was trying to negotiate with her. And I felt great. After she backed off, I was like, this is what a police negotiator must feel like uh, after they've talked the terrorists down. Sure. Yes. Very equivalent. This is um, <laughs> This is a great you, life. Lesson. <laughs> this is a great life lesson. But we're, talk we're talking about QAnon today, and I thought, well, hold on, hold on. You're, you're steamrolling this morning. No, no, but I'm not. I want to get back to the. Oh. I'm just saying that the link is 
the part of QAnon is just everyone's so sure they're right and just so adamant they're right and not backing down. That was my little... I like that, that. It was nice. That was your segue. <laughs> but I have a slightly different conclusion mm. about the first story, which, of course, mm. then informs... I have also a parallel mm. but different conclusion about QAnon, <laughs> which is... Okay. I try to get to a place in my head when I'm mad at someone in traffic, and I'm rarely successful at this, mm. but what I try to get to is a point where it's like, they're scared. Something scared them. And this woman was clearly afraid of the narrowness of the road. Mm -hmm. She's scared. And so whatever time in her life she was scared and she cooperated, something went wrong, and she just said, I'm scared and I'm not fucking moving. And everyone can just deal with it because I'm terrified and I'm not going to make myself more scared to make you happy. So I'm sure she was exercising some childhood thing. Yeah. I couldn't do what you did. I'm so proud of you. I would have lost it. I would have pointed out how selfish she is. You don't live on planet Earth by yourself. You think you're the only one that gets to make a decision about this fucking road. Like, I'm amazed that you got there. I wonder if it was my placement in the queue. If I was the person in the car facing off with this person, if she was staring at me through the windshield, being like, if you, I'm not backing up. Me being like, if you literally back up two centimeters, I can get around you and we'll all be fine. Meanwhile, Cars everything's ba backing exactly. up and it's getting worse. I think then I might have seen red because okay. it's so fun to be angry in a car because you're sort of protected and it's like, oh, it's like you're in a video game or something. But I think because I just sort of went whimsically driving along, I had like a favorite song on. Sure, what was, like, was oh, that? Why oh, stop? It's, that a, it's an Oasis B-Sides record called oh. The Master Plan. Oh. And oh, right. on a, I... It's embarrassing, but I love Oasis. That's and this, not embarrassing. It's a really great record. Anyway, I was so happy listening to the dulcet towns of Liam, Gall <laughs> Liam Gallagher. And I just stopped. And so I wasn't angry yet. I was just like, this is a weird cue. Let's walk down the road and see what's happening. Right. And then I just was presented with this outrageous situation. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed that you, yeah, even got out of your car. I would be the person just like sitting there for seven minutes, like, what is it? Uh, just being so annoyed, yeah. but never assuming that somebody else was handling it. So mm. I'm right between you two because I would definitely get out. I would be yelling, and that right, sucks. Right, right, and I'm right. and I was you filled with shame during the whole story. But it did remind <laughs> yeah. me of one story. I was riding my motorcycle to Warner Brothers. I was getting off at the Barham exit. Same thing. It's just piled up for a mile. That's not normally like that. Why is it like this? I'm on a motorcycle, so I can lane split. So as I get close, I realize, oh, there's a woman whose car has broken down. And as I'm passing on the motorcycle, I, I look in the back. Oh, she has like a three-year-old in back as well. Mm. And initially, I pass. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a mess. And then I was like, you can't do that. So I turned around mm. my motorcycle. I parked. And then I pushed her car into a parking lot. And it took a good 10 minutes of, like, really fucking pushing in the it's morning. Because she stayed in the car, obviously, to steer. Anyways, the whole rest of the day i fight the urge you know this story mm -hmm. to call and brag about this to Kristen, <laughs> how right. i like basically saved a woman and her uh, child and like then, what i'm doing to you just now <laughs> well no, no i did that that is not why i said it anyways i am able to resist i don't tell anyone which is unlike me i want fucking yeah. acknowledgement for anything i do yeah to a yeah fault. you just held that in we just had that shit. conversation the other day where i was like I goaded you into giving me a compliment. Then I was like, wasn't oh, enough for me. And then I admitted that that's what just happened. Oh, it was on your couch doing a fact check. No, it was here. It was about your jumpsuit. Oh. It was about your jumpsuit. You made me give you a compliment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were mad at me because I didn't give you a compliment, and which then I, then I had to give you one. And no. then How did you, you had to were, ask. Were you subtle about 
wanting the compliment? Or we no, just like, he what said, you, you know think? what? I'm mad because I always compliment your outfits and you didn't compliment mine. That's what he said. That's exactly right. <laughs> I started with like, I'm going to get you on the hook. First, I'll give myself a compliment. I always talk about you. <laughs> Oh, God. Starts with a compliment to myself. Man, I always I always give you validation when you have a nice outfit on. So I guess I was expecting maybe just a nod about my... Yeah, anywho. Oh, anywho. I think you both look lovely So today. I got to tell you the most miraculous... It's almost as miraculous as the ending you achieved in your Jesus-like state, mm. which was I got home and my wife was holding her phone and she said, do you want to explain this? I start reading it and it's a... Mutual friend that lives down in San Diego that happens to be friends with someone who posted on Facebook. Oh my God, that actor Dak Shepard's so nice. He got out and pushed a uh, woman's car. Blah 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 blah. Someone had written a like on a, a whole fuck, thing, and another person saw it and then forwarded it to Kristen. So uh, I got the double benefit uh, of like I didn't even brag about it, and then she brought it up. It was if, such a victory. If I was then, religious, I would say that was God smiling upon you for your D positively and reinforcing and still getting the information to your wife that's right but you're still talking about it <laughs> you still want you still want i knew you were to gonna know. say that yeah because it's relevant well what's really relevant is my version of the same story mm. i started it by like, like there's no way he tells that story and then i'm not of mm. course reminded of the time i did something sure. really yeah. similar what was your good samaritan story i don't have hold one. on one second <laughs> Okay. I've never done anything good <laughs> for anyone. I'm definitely not in the car because I'm not comfortable in mm. a car situation. You're so like, a little scared. Just your natural state in there is just 10% scared, right? Well, I would not be able to help that lady. I don't mm. know how. I mean, I could call the police and be like, hey, yeah. there's a lady stuck on this street. Mm. Can someone come help her? But I couldn't do that. I'm not strong enough and I don't know anything about cars. The last part of the story was that when I went back to my car to get out of there she was working her way up and drove very aggressively past me and i was like wouldn't it be a funny end to the story if i cleared the path and then she just came and completely crashed messed up my car which isn't my car it's the car i'm borrowing you know you know what? I do have a good Samaritan story. You're loaning David your car? Well, it's no, it's his story yeah, because my car was that. involved and I get to kind of like oh, yeah, leech yeah. onto that mm. a little bit. Well, you should. They yeah. say if your vehicle's yeah. used in a crime, you know. That's right. Yeah, you should so get the I, benefit too. Having your car has been a godsend and having a car in Los Angeles, it makes it an entirely different city. I've been walking, been walking down the freeways trying to get face to face. I was going to ask this you, like, it, it must change LA, it right? It changes everything because you can Uber. And you can get friends to pick you up, yeah. or you can walk. I've been turning up to a lot of bars, like very sweaty. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After my two-hour walk, <laughs> so having a car, it's no, it's brilliant. You can, it's just freedom, and it's awful because you know, obviously, it's pollution. All that's an electric car, so it's kind of fine, but. Yeah. You can't not drive in this ridiculous city that you live in. Well, it's almost like I would argue not one of the little pockets in LA is worth the admittance. <laughs> Like like any part of New York. Like if you went to Manhattan and you were only in the West Village, that's a great trip. You're going to be so satisfied. You're happy. If you're in L.A., it's like you got 26% of the West Village in Silver Lake. And then you got another 20% in, in, in over here in Los Feliz. And you can stitch together this incredible city. Experience completely. Yes, yes. but you need to kind of be able to bounce to all the places. Like yeah. even if you look at our weekend, right? Like we went to that weird 
spa that was really fun but that's 20 minutes away and then we had dinner at so you know like yes that took me a while to get used to here because i'd be with friends and they'd be driving me and i'm mystified why we're suddenly driving half an hour to another place right. just to get some ice cream or to get, you know like, but that, that's it's how a culture. you have to live here yeah it's crazy to me in new zealand like literally the whole country is like walkable yeah. so like what are we doing you know yeah anyway crazy. well i'm so glad yeah, thank yeah you. i'm I know. sorry you won't have it for a week that's okay. You're allowed to take your own car back. <laughs> Just for a week. Just for a week. No, you're all wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you, you all really only got out-prioritized by her own family. Yeah, I they was a bit be. like, what the hell are you doing wanting your car back? You must have, you better have a good reason for this. You I know, guess you just tell someone like, go ahead and rely on this car. Uh, go ahead and get comfortable and rely on it. And then I'm going to pull it oh, right. No, back. I told him from the very <laughs> yeah, beginning. So, I said, the yeah. only time I'll need it back is when my parents come to visit. Yeah. Technically, they have purchased that car for me years oh, ago. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, actually theirs. Yeah, they really <laughs> have fair. a right. Well, no, I've left it clean. I got a lot of cheeseburgers and I found an old <laughs> sweet and sour sauce packet in there. But I I've taken that out. Oh, uh, all right. it's clean. That was her um, lucky dusted. That was yeah. Mine. Actually, oh I God. left that there, and then you. Threw what it if away. the the listenership of this show nosedived in, inexplicably? We're like, what happened to all of our listeners? Because <laughs> and this. then like a year later, he mentions, oh, by the way, I took that sweet and sour. We're like, oh my God, David, that was the thing. Oh, shit, I don't. <laughs> I'm getting nervous even talking about this. Oh, okay. Boy. Let's talk about sweet and sour sauce. Yeah. Look, I thought it was probably time to talk about QAnon because it feels like enough time has passed. We can sort of like look back on it a little bit and sort of go like, what the heck happened? I agree with you. You would either want to be at the beginning of QAnon yeah. or after everyone's tried to sum up what the thing was and you can almost yeah. more judge the sum ups of it. Totally. And I feel like when the Capitol riots happened and people were talking about QAnon, I feel like I kind of forgot where it all even started and, and even what it was. And so it was helpful for me to think about this stuff as well and kind of refresh me on it. And by the way, we have QAnon to thank for us being friends. I that hate you to thank <laughs> the movement for anything, but yes. This is how it all started is we had a guest on. I started reading all these insane comments. Bill Gates was on. And so there's all these crazy comments we had never seen before. And as I looked at the pattern and yeah. found out what the key words were, I realized, oh, these were all QAnon people. And then I said, Rob, we got to get an expert that can tell us about QAnon. And then you were brought to us for that. Yeah. And I was in New Zealand and we were in lockdown because of COVID. And I was reading endless conspiracy theories about COVID and why we're being locked down. And so I started writing about conspiracy theories and that's uh -huh. how this all happened. You raise an interesting thing because all those comments under your Bill Gates interview, that's the thing. I think a lot of those people commenting wouldn't have even known that what they think is all dictated by QAnon. Because oh, so much sure. time had passed, they're just like, no, these are fresh thoughts. I'm just asking questions, not knowing where they're that had all been. They're downriver from that. They're downriver. And so I think a lot of people going to save our children rallies and all these different things don't even know. If you said to them, you're an idiot, you're into QAnon, their answer would be, no, I'm not into QAnon. Yeah, I I'm, just I'm, like, I'm just trying to help. I'm not even into something. I'm against yeah. raping children. Which is a very fair thing to yeah, be I don't against. think anyone's, yeah. Don't, they just don't know all the baggage that comes with it. 
If there's uh, someone that's for it, I just haven't met them. Yeah, they're not people you want to be around. And you're right. So Save the Children, of course, really is the end result of this thought that they're doing adrenochrome. Yeah, yeah. The rich and famous people yeah, are- the deep state, Hollywood. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're draining, kids for they're their, draining their blood because it's rich in adrenochrome. Yeah, so of course that eventually goes through to, hey, if you don't want kids to be killed, if you want all these trafficked children to be saved, which all of us do, children yeah. trafficked, we want them to be saved, come to this rally. Not knowing that a lot of people there are there. Well, because, and that there's no kids unaccounted for. There's no kids that have not been reported missing that are missing. There's no epidemic of, you know, there's nothing behind this. It's the frustrating thing. And part of what also wanted me to cover this, there's this guy on Twitter I've been following for a while, Mike Rothschild. And of course, his surname's Rothschild, and he's writing a book about conspiracy theories. So of course, he immediately gets it's a little bit on the nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows this, and he laughs about it. <laughs> but he's written "The Storm Is Upon Us," and he's sort of the expert I talked to for this because he's been following Q since the early days, and he was sort of observing it. And the first thing I talked to him about was like, when did you realize that this thing you were looking at on Twitter? was actually bleeding into real life. Mm. And uh, this was his take. My introduction to QAnon was probably January 2018, so just a few months after the first drops went up. I started seeing tweets about John McCain and Hillary Clinton wearing orthopedic walking boots, supposedly because they had been arrested in a great secret purge of the deep state called The Storm. I thought that was amazing. The first time I noticed QAnon becoming a, a real-world problem was probably August of 2018, and you had a, a couple of things happen. The first was you had this Trump rally in Tampa that was absolutely swamped by QAnon believers. They were carrying QAnon signs, wearing QAnon t-shirts, chanting QAnon slogans. It was just as if this thing that I'd been paying attention to that nobody really knew anything about or cared about suddenly became everybody's problem. That's when I realized that this thing had found its sea legs really quickly. And the other thing that happened was Matthew Wright, this unemployed homeless Marine veteran who got in his homemade armored truck with 900 rounds of ammunition and two firearms and drove to a bridge outside Hoover Dam and live streamed himself demanding that the real Inspector General report be released. And this was a report that does not exist and that came straight from a Q drop. I realized that there was a real world violence that was baked into this movement and it didn't take much for that violence to go from online into the real world. I think the most extraordinary thing about this is that this did all start from anonymous posts yeah. on a image board on the internet. And what I would consider an obscure one. Super obscure. I mean, 4chan yeah. was like a much less accessible, more awful Reddit. And I think like Reddit is impenetrable for some people. Like it's a bit of a mess. And 4chan then, and, and, is even messier. We're talking about like going to 16chan, right? Didn't the, the guy had oh, to renamed? He goes 8chan <laughs> and then became 8kun and it just jumped all over the place. But for years, people had always come onto these forums saying, I'm an FBI informant or mm. I'm in the CIA and I've got some information you need to know. And most of the people in that community there knew that it was a role play, that it was bullshit, that it was a big joke. Right. And occasionally new people would come on board and they might believe them because they didn't know this jokey culture that existed there. When Q came along and started 
posting these things for whatever reason they just got really popular the very first q drop back in 2017 basically said guys hillary clinton's gonna be arrested that was it it was written in sort of some more coded language but people loved it they replied to it eventually the poster came out and said their name was q clearance patriot q clearance being a real clearance that means you have access to top secret information and a lot of people for some reason just decided to get on board and believe that they had Q clearance and that they had some knowledge and they just jumped on board. It's still but there are so crazy many to me. Crazy things on the internet. What about that? I mean, I don't understand well, what about that. Someone was explaining to us how um, urban legends get sticky because they analyze like every different iteration of it and they find that like, oh, there's one sentence that makes it through all the iterations of it. That's the hook. You can kind of tell. So yeah, you got to wonder if that was analyzed that first post. Why was it a hook? A lot of it was just blind luck. Like As mm. I say, there'd been a lot of people posing, telling different stories, and they were just, they'd come on for a while, they'd post, it'd get some traction, and then move on. For some reason, Q Clearance Patriot, people just listened. And I think the one thing they were good at was they could tell a good story. A couple of their predictions came true, too. They got lucky as well, I think. If you post 3,000 incredibly vague things. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. Like It's not like their batting average was good, but I, of, I think they of, had a couple, though, that everyone hung They down. had a couple of hits, but even some of those hits are incredibly loose. One post, I believe, was like, it's going to be hot in August. And that was a clue. What? <laughs> and look, guys, it's hot in August. I it's mean, like, obvious. it's fair. It's very sweaty. That's the kind of post that they would make. And like, they did tell a good story. And that's actually something else Mike said. And I think, obviously, it got really violent. And it told this giant narrative that, you know, Trump was going to win the election again. He was going to arrest all these pedophiles. They were going to be hung from the gallows. Yeah. But it was just a really good storyteller. And Mike talked about the way that, some of the drops could be really fun and engaging. Well, as you were just describing it, it occurred to me that what they really did, the genius of it was, is they aggregated the best story. So there would be a clue and then all these creative minds go to work on interpreting the clue. And then the ones that seem to burble up be kind of become then the lore. Totally. And it's interactive. Like you could jump on board, you could read these cue drops and then you could interpret them and that was part of it like because they were sort of coded in the way they were written if you jumped on board and were a fan of the stuff part of the thrill was decoding it like what the hell it meant yes it empowered the parishioner it it's was like, like someone they say the why Bible. mormonism spread as quickly as it did is it was at a time in our history where to be able to have an actual connection with god was very appealing it was you had a lot of ownership over the experience and that was like yeah. what was different that was being offered and i guess it's like being able to interpret those sacred texts mm -hmm. and if you interpret them in the correct way then you get closer to god mm -hmm. and it's like if you could interpret these drops in the correct way then maybe you could actually understand this really confusing world everyone found ourselves yeah. in. you know yeah but th this was one of the q drops he talked about like how QAnon could be fun oh okay. this was like one of the fun drops there's a great series of q drops that i think work perfectly well as just a fun, harmless conspiracy theory. Right around the Singapore summit with Trump and Kim Jong-un, Trump is flying Air Force One over Puget Sound in Seattle, and the deep state tried to shoot him down with a missile fired from a submarine. And the way you knew that is because a bird watching camera caught a streak of light in the air 
that was actually from the uh, searchlight of an air ambulance, but it looked like a missile being fired. And so Q ran with this story about like a secret submarine and a missile launch, and there were specially equipped F-16s with sonic weapons that shot the missile down and then leaking information about it on Twitter. So they had to go to his office. It was this incredible story that really didn't harm anybody but was such an interesting example of how these things can be used as storytelling, you know, to push a conspiracy theory, but it's not a violent one. It's so unusual how people are so quick to, like, point out a plot hole in a film. Like, they love doing that. Yeah. And yet in real life, we're much more useless at pointing out, like, a plot hole, right? It's like we embrace the plot hole and invent other plot holes to try and support it. Totally. And you could see the same thing with 9-11 Truth. You know, people who thought the building was a controlled demolition. So let's step back here. It, the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers, have been full of explosives for decades? Or did somebody just recently go in there? Who did that? When did they do it? Did anybody see them? Who paid for it? These simple questions that seem like they're very pedantic. But really, without answers to those questions, you don't have anything else. You do a good job at pointing out hypocrisy. I try. Yeah, I a like little that. bit. Yeah, because you're that's... right, man. As someone who screened movies for audiences, like they live for that. Like, even shit that's not a hiccup. 100%. There's something about QAnon that was vague enough that you could latch onto it and sort of turn into whatever you wanted. And it has been a really confusing 2016, 2017, 2018. It's been getting increasingly weird. And Q was was putting this narrative out that could sort of help explain why things were so weird. And it offered hope that things could go back to the old way at Mm -hmm, some point, mm -hmm. whatever the old way represented to them. And it just spread and spread and spread. Yeah. Do we think people have laid off since the Capitol? So about a month before the Capitol riots, Q stopped posting. Oh. So that was great. So essentially, like, Trump had lost. Mm -hmm. It was kind of hopeless. Q stopped posting. A couple of documentaries came out around this time. Um, HBO did a documentary and Vice, really obsessed with, like, who Q was. Yeah. I, I um, saw the HBO one. Yeah, and the HBO one was a lot better than the Vice doc. Oh, it's okay. a really great watch. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it really matters who oh. Q was. I mean, it was probably Ron Watkins. Also, an administrator if, on 8, eight if, Kun. If you had zero interest in Q, still a great documentary because oh. all you want in documentaries is characters and this oh. fucking thing is chalked. They don't, you don't, you don't meet someone who's not worthy of their entire own documentary. Oh, the access was incredible. And Ron Watkins and his cowboy hat, um, his oh. father, Jim, you know, this pig Wait, farmer. I don't know who that is. Oh, so basically, so Jim Watkins is the guy that owned the board that Q was posting on. He owned the servers. 4chan, 8chan wouldn't exist without Jim. Got it. Jim's son, Ron. He, he claims he was operating it at a loss. Operating at a loss, yeah. yeah. Operated a lot of, um, I believe, like porn sites. That's Prior, made a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His son, Ron, who is, look, he's probably was the one posting all these drops the entire time and running this narrative. He was the administrator on the site. Loves wearing a mm. cowboy hat. Ooh. And post Trump not winning the election, he appeared on OAN, that new news network that Trump yeah. ended up loving over Fox. He appeared as a IT expert talking uh, uh, about how the voting machines could be Oh, hacked. right, 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 right. So I'm sort of rambling. It's so weird to start talking about it because all these characters are so, there's so Each much Each time you bring them. one up, I've forgotten. And like, I, I immediately see him in my head and I'm like, they can't be in the same movie. 
No, it's mad. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a wacky cartoon, wacky Olympics, where it's like every kind of thing driving every kind. Of <laughs> and when you imagine these men as potentially being behind what happened and the number of people oh, around the world that believed what they that were they saying, changed the course of history. <laughs> so, Ooh. about a month before the Capitol riots, Q had stopped posting. That had dropped off. But you had all those believers that the storm was still coming. And the only way the storm could happen, these mass arrests of pedophiles and Hollywood elite and all these evil liberals, the only way that could happen is if the election results were reversed. So clearly they had to help Trump. So when Donald Trump comes out and says, you know, stop the steal and, you know, let's take it back, they were there to do that. And so the way to do that was to storm the Capitol. And many of them, not all of them, they wanted to kill Mike Pence because they believed that would reverse the election results. A lot of people that just went along for the ride, they were angry, they were hyped up. Some of them didn't even know where they were. There was one guy live streaming from Congress thinking he was at the White House. Oh. Uh-oh. You know, they weren't the smartest. Mm. Smart. So my point is, so Q has stopped. Like, Q isn't posting, but all these ideas that Q put into the world are so strong and so lingering. Yeah. They're still out there. Yeah. I have to point out, there is this great 60 Minutes thing about the Capitol thing. And as they're going through the footage, what I immediately realized is like, someone's got a Jesus saves, you know, sign. I'm like, okay, so that's what the, you know, is. and then it pans over and someone's like, uh, in child pornography, and you're like, oh, so I guess that's what this group is. There's so many different people there to think that they were like all on the same team is just crazy. There's all these little pockets of different signs. So many pockets. And I think out of that context, none of them would be friends with one another. No, like they no, were all no. there for different reasons. Like yeah. one guy like stole a muffin and ate a muffin. <laughs> one of them didn't know where they were. Some of them were like erecting gallows outside. There was oh. it was a complete mess of a thing. Yeah. But I think the main point is that it happened and there was real violence there. People from all sides of the political spectrum, lost their lives. It's mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. And it was all spurred on from an anonymous poster on the internet weaving a narrative that people dived into. Yeah. yeah. It is utterly mad. And the other thing that Mike Rothschild wanted to talk about really specifically was that real-world violence. Because I still think there's that attitude towards QAnon of it being this wacky online thing where people believed a lot of crazy stuff. And it stayed online, whereas that never happened. And it jumped into the real world super quick. Also, I have to mention, the corridor between 8chan and Facebook is so brief. So, like, anyone that was there, like, you could just stumble upon this stuff on Facebook very quickly. Totally. And that's what started happening. And there were a few propaganda documentaries that came out. Fall of the Cabal was this documentary that went viral on Facebook. That was all stuff lifted off 4chan. Mm. So yeah, the jump between this obscure message board that yeah. I would argue none of us three spend any time on, mm. it was jumping into places like YouTube and Facebook that we would probably interact yeah, with. Right. Because yeah, yeah, we're yeah. old. So it's like know. three clicks away from my mom having read it. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's literally why a lot of older people have been getting into this stuff because it pops up on their trusted Facebook where they've got all their dearest friends posting. Yeah. And so when this information starts coming through, they believe it. it and it gets into the wrong hands and problems happen. When you look at how many different tributaries can feed into the river, 
of QAnon, the answer isn't to explain to them that there are no kids being abducted or explain to them this or that or any number of the issues. There has got to be some fear underneath that that this looks like that. There's some fear that they all share that none of us are even close to addressing. So it's like if you want to get at the actual problem, I think it's that those folks are deeply afraid of something and motivated and scared. We've got to figure out what that thing is. I also spoke to a guy. He wanted to remain anonymous, but he was part of Q. He was a believer in Q. And he, you know, when I spoke to him, he's still getting through this and sort of figuring it out. But he spoke a little bit about the mindset he was in and how strange it is to be out of it. And the thing that broke him out of it was it was one really obscure little thing that Q had said. He was on board with a whole lot of lunacy, but then basically one thing pushed him too far and everything started to unravel. And I think that's how you find people escaping a lot of belief systems, right? It's like they're on board and then something happened and, and your brain is like, oh. Well, the woman on rabbit holes, she was all in, but all of a sudden Q got religious and she's like, no, 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 no. I didn't sign up for a religious thing. This is supposed to be, I don't trust Wall Street. But that's with a lot of religions too. People are fully like just taking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah. there's one thing they're like, Wait, I can't quite buy into that. Yeah, kill what your does son. that mean about this and then this and then this? <laughs> yeah, like within Dominance. like young earth creationism, I think like the dinosaur thing gets to a lot of people. People that sort of eggs away at people's brains. And then once you start unwrapping one thing, other things start sort of falling away. So I spoke very briefly to this ex QAnon believer, and this was his sort of reflections on what he'd come out of. If you could say we had like a ethos or a group identity or whatever within the online community of the QAnon beliefs, it was this concept that we were the good guys, we were heroes, we were fighting a cyber information war. Um, I'm having Alex Jones flashbacks. Yeah, it really plays on your emotions and it plays on your ego. When I left QAnon and I had this really shocking, crushing, humbling moment of like, holy shit, I have been a complete rube. I can't believe I believe this stuff. I realized that there was something wrong with the pattern of my thinking. I'd had these grand notions and delusions of being some important individual with secret insider knowledge that was helping Trump to bring down an evil cabal of, you know, Satanists or something. And then suddenly realizing that none of that was true. It was humiliating, humbling, and I think exactly what I needed at the time. The thing that surprises me the most that I didn't recognize when I was in the beliefs was how dehumanizing a lot of these beliefs were of everyone from the other side. Liberals were not simply individuals with alternative political opinions about the economy or welfare or education or sexuality. They were corrupt, Satan-worshipping, or even if they were ignorant, they were at least being used by demonic forces without knowing it. Their opinions and ideas were not valid alternative viewpoints. They were evil. And it just kind of shocks me that I ever was that narrow-minded. Uh, he sounds Good like a him. plant. What do you mean? Like a professional. I mean, that guy is so evolved and smart. If you're writing people off as, oh, they're fucking dumb. No, that's the thing. Like, they're not idiots. No, no, right? no, no, no. It, it's, no, they're not. It's like people believe a lot of different things. It doesn't mean you're an idiot. But man, he—I think, man—he scratched at 
I saw you nodding your head, Monica, next to me. He scratched at what I think is is one of the signature roots of it all is entitlement. Growing up white, feeling like you're supposed to, you know, become president, CEO, whatever, this is your right, and then that doesn't happen. And what does this world mean? This world must be really broken if I couldn't do this when I was told I could. Yeah, this sense of self-importance. That like I'm the one I'm gonna save. I'm this. I'm the, like that. Grandiose. It's yeah. very um, indulgent, self-indulgent. T- totally, the thought that you're gonna be the and, hero to save the world, literally. Yeah. And y- they don't even know you, David, are the hero that's gonna save the world. Not them. You right. are. You did this today. Yes, through peace and love and kindness yeah. on the, a highway. God, is it American or is it now? It is very American. It is very American centric. It bleeds out. I mean, in New Zealand, we certainly had QAnon beliefs make it over, but there is something about the pig. No offense. Like there's a certain pig headedness, and it is like you owe me something, and it's that American dream, right? It's like if you work hard, you will be successful, and what what a great thing to work towards. But if if the opposite of that, if you feel entitled to get those things and you have to explain why you don't have those things. Yeah. It's way easier to blame it on a cabal. Exactly. The the part though, I can be really compassionate for him and understand is that to feel competent, to have an outlet where he felt important and involved. And clearly he is really smart. So the compassionate side of me is like, we need answers for those people other than this where you can find your place. But I think that's the problem. People want answers now, but it's this idea, it's this term, the hyper-reality, and it's this idea that you don't need to look in reality for answers anymore. You can invent a really smart other reality and just blend it in with your own life. And that's as good as anything. So I think that's like a bigger problem of like (laughs) these smart people who have big imaginations. Yeah. And it's this big problem we're living Well, look, with sometimes now. the reality bubble results in Mac, and sometimes the reality bubble results yeah. in this. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying it's like in a way. like the hero is Jobs, who just made his own reality. Certainly that can work for people, and fiction is really compelling. But I think this blurring between a really compelling fiction and facts and science, the blending of that isn't always entirely comfortable yeah Mm. and it leads to bad stuff i mean he was a fascinating guy to talk to he's still sort of coming to terms with what he's going through but back to mike rothschild he wanted to talk about how those beliefs they did lead to some really awful shit Mm. and these were some examples and i forgot about some of these and i think they're fucking wild You've had multiple murders committed by QAnon believers. You had the guy in Seattle who was a member of the Proud Boys who stabbed his brother through the head with a sword because he thought he was a lizard. You had the guy on Staten Island who shot dead the Gambino family crime boss because he thought he was part of the deep state. Now, those two guys were found mentally incompetent to stand trial, but that's almost the scariest part of it is that these were just incidents that happened out of nowhere. This mob boss was in his house in Staten Island this guy drives up, crashes into his car, they get into an argument and shoots him. It comes out of nowhere. You've had numerous child kidnappings, these custody battles that have been ginned up by these QAnon-believing lawyers. And actually, one of those lawyers was then shot dead, allegedly, by his QAnon-believing client. 
You've had incidents of vandalism. You've had churches defaced, synagogues defaced. You've had bullets fired into buildings. And then you've got the family tragedies that you don't hear about on the news. You know, the mom who isn't speaking to her kids anymore. Friendships broken up by this. And the big ones, the ones that do hit the news, seem like unspeakable crimes. Like, how could somebody be driven to murder by some internet posts? But we see it happen all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's surreal listening back to that. You do think this was a guy on a forum pretending to be something. How does that stuff happen? Mm. I think it's our human brain is really capable of latching on to storytelling. And those stories can take you to some really bad places. Well, and like confirmation bias, which everyone's aware of, you know, like if you're only looking for proof of a a theory, you will find it. You'll find it. Yeah. And the internet will give it to you in droves. I thought it was crazy, though, in the in the HBO doc, how they demonstrated that they then started calling the shots. Like, obviously, Trump got aware of this following. Uh, he was advised that he has to appease them or maybe he wanted to appease whatever it is. He started doing things in public to confirm. And he was saying lines that they had written. Oh, and when you've got people in Congress who believe in this stuff, like yeah. they got in, like they're Q believers yeah. and they're in there. So it's not like it's a yeah, bunch of people, people at home on their laptops. Campaigned and were very public. Marjorie about Taylor. Being... Yeah, she's in yeah. there, you know. But it's also a loop, right? Like they know that they're going to have this following, this loud following. So who knows what they really believe, but then it yeah. becomes this weird. Yeah, there is that cynical side to it where it's like they know they've got that built in following just yeah. by dog whistling to them. Exactly. They'll come on board passionately. It's crazy. You know, we talk a lot about on this show conspiracy theories and part of the reason they happen is because people feel really out of control with the idea that one person is able to wreak havoc on the world. And this is what it is. This is the case here. This was a person who decided to post some shit on the Internet and it took over and led to deaths. Yeah. Ron Watkins, this, you know, son of the pig farmer who was the administrator on the site, probably was Q. Just this week, he's back on other messaging services. He's been banned from Twitter after the big purge of QAnon accounts. He's back on other messaging services doing exactly the same game, saying, I'm going to release this big report. It's going to blow your minds. Tell all your friends. This isn't illegal. Rallying up. Why it is goes he in on. jail? It's not known that it's him, right? No, it's it's not known it's him. No, it's a theory it's, it, that yeah, it's, it's him. A theory. Well, it has to be have some evidence because they can't kick you off Twitter for no reason. They banned a lot of QAnon accounts. They are all wiped out. Got it. But, I mean, it is interesting that you've got this guy who is an administrator on the forum that QAnon was present on, and then you have him on these other messaging services doing exactly the same kind of baiting posts. And you see people, you know, just this week jumping on board happily he figured out the algorithm he figured out how to get people's attention and to get them rallying behind an idea and he's really good at like tantalizing people with things let's say it's not known that's him that's a theory let's say it is him i want to know what's going on internally is the fire is growing and growing and growing i mean that could be why he or she left i just Mm. wondered like what was their true intention did they want a revolution in america i can't imagine is is maybe i I would love to tap into the brain if whoever was and just think about like yeah pouring gas pouring gas pouring gas i just wonder what the justification was or the intention or the anything i know yeah why did they pull away it's real sociopathic to be able to stay detached from that real world stuff and just go like yeah in a punk rock way look at this wreckage i'm creating you know Not like without me, this person's still alive. They don't think about it that way. 100%. The instant input 
they got whenever they posted was just thousands of discussion points rippling out into the world. And that must have been a huge power trip. It's like you post something on Instagram and you get like some likes and some comments. But imagine posting something and you get hundreds of thousands of comments and then suddenly people are selling merchandise with your message written on their yeah. shirt you yeah, the know dopamine is the dopamine's got to be pretty big but yeah why they sounds intoxicating off? pretty intoxicating yeah pretty intoxicating yeah. But, but for the grace of god there go i thank god i was never <laughs> locked in like that the last thing mike talked to me about because like what you said before monica like when like what's happening with q now and like what's happened since a big part of why there's less talk directly about Q is because of deplatforming. Mm-hmm. Like Twitter and Facebook and the social media platforms went through and just like wiped off a whole load of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's really contentious, but Mike Kinda had works. a take. Yeah, it worked. Like Mike had a take on like why this is something that we probably have to do. The solution really is deplatforming. You know, I know that this gets to be a very sticky issue about censorship and about the power that these platforms have. The problem is that when you have unregulated speech, everybody thinks they want that, but you don't actually want that. Unregulated, unmoderated free speech turns everything into 8chan. It makes everything into a cesspool of harassment, anti-Semitism, and hate. These platforms don't want that. They want some control over who is allowed to use them. They are allowed to have that. Same way a bar can throw you out if you're being belligerent to other patrons. There is no right to do that. So I think what we have to do is we have to become more comfortable with the idea of deplatforming people who have these ideas and who are pushing these violent conspiracies. No one is saying they're not allowed to have these beliefs, but you can't have it here. You can't have it on Twitter. You can't have it on Facebook. You can't have it if we say it's not allowed here. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. It's yeah. funny, though, if you would have asked me this in 1995, I would have never agreed with this. No, it's not a very punk thing to do, you know, to agree with, right? Well, just let's silence these people. You can have an idea of what free speech is, and that can be true until it's not. And so, like, what I just saw over the last nine years with YouTube and all these platforms is, like, you can't exist unless you want to live, as he said, in a cesspool. And it does, like, it gets towards cesspool real quick. Yeah. Even a comment section. It's so funny that we have decided that these certain companies are required to provide free speech. But like, we don't say Netflix has to accept every pitch that's given to them, that they have to put up every comedy. You know, they get to pick what they want on their platform. And we've just decided that these social media ones should be open to everyone. But that, why? They're companies. Yes, but then the argument is, let's say that, crazy outlandish gross opinion was gays should be allowed to marry and the twitter of that time was the only way you could get your message out in facebook so you effectively cannot get your message out and you have a good message it's easy to think about it when it's the bad message we don't want out there i get that i just have a little more faith in the companies that there's enough people there to protect Free speech totally. and, and, the, stuff. Well, and the marketplace proves that they're correct because when they boot all those people off, they don't then start a platform thinking, oh, everyone wants to talk this way. They start the platform. Millions of people do not go there. 5,000 people are there or whatever. They demonstrate that it's not a risk. And I, and I think that trajectory towards cesspit is really clear as well. Like I'd argue a lot of the people 
if you're out there fighting for gay rights or maybe more currently you're fighting for trans rights, I think the people fighting for those things aren't going to be the ones that 10 minutes later are going to be calling you uh, these deeply offensive things. They're not going to be anti-Semitic. They're not going to be going down that path. I think that's a very separate path. So I know what you mean. I just know why I used to think that, which is like all the ideals we value today. Galileo was sent to prison. For proving something that was real. We can't ever have that again. That's what's tricky about it. That's the value of free speech. 100%. I always think like since, and I don't want this to be an anti-Trump podcast necessarily, but oh man. He was the mascot of QAnon, yeah. He's pretty awful. But you know, (laughs) after he got deplatformed from Twitter, like it's been wonderfully quiet Mm. and we haven't had to read lunacy in headlines again and that's really nice okay Mm -hmm. even if i loved trump i'm not even bashing him just the amount of data that came at you that was about trump to me it was like moving from downtown manhattan to the forest where i was just like oh my god i didn't realize how noisy it was until it went away oh that was quiet it was like beautifully quiet The other thing, and this was in Mike's book as well, and I wrote this down because I thought it was a really good take. There was this 1951 study by Eric Koffer, and he wrote about mass movements. And he said, if the doctrine of such a movement is not unintelligible, it has to be vague. And if it's neither unintelligible nor vague, it has to be unverifiable. And Mike wrote, if QAnon is a mass movement, and it is, then the Q drops are its doctrine, and the drops meet all three of Hoffa's criteria. They're unintelligible, mm. they're vague, and they're unverifiable. Yeah. All at once. Mm. And like those three grand, sweet we spots. We call that Grand Slam here. In yeah, the, it's a Grand Slam. And that was written about in like 51. Like there's always been bad, dumb ideas floating around. Uh, Somehow Q, the way he phrased things and what they were saying, it just like hit the sweet spot of mm. perfection and shit spread like wildfire. Wow. I already told you about reading Dostoevsky the other day, and this is written in the 1860s, and there's this whole chapter about how mathematics is getting to a place where the future is entirely known, and simulation yeah, because of math. I was like, oh my God, it felt like that made sense now because of all this new stuff, but no, it, that is a fear people yeah. have, <laughs> at least in, from 1860 to now. Yep. Yeah. Always existed. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing as well. With QAnon, the ideas that it put forward, they're not new ideas. They're like repackaged from every conspiracy theory ever. It's almost like rock and roll. You're guaranteed every nine years to have someone come out and be too sexy, too evil, too devil worshipy. And they're going to have a great career from it. And everything everything comes back round again, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's unstoppable. It's like Limp Biscuit is popular again now because they did a show and now everyone's going, oh, wow, these guys we saw in this like Woodstock doc, they're like kind of like self-aware now and it's cool. And it's like I find myself watching it, liking it. I'm like, what? I like Limp Biscuit now because yeah. they're kind of ironic. What is going on? <laughs> Old things just keep coming back. They yeah, do. yeah. They do. You get another, another crack at it each time. But I, look, I think the thing with QAnon, the reporting on it, it wasn't there at the beginning and i think we've just got to be super vigilant to keep an eye out for this stuff because by the time it was being reported on and people were figuring out what it was and what the problem was it was too late it was out of the bag that's the only negative spin i was going to put on all this is like QAnon was also pizzagate 
And before it was Pizzagate, it was this. So there is this traveling road show. And so all these Q people, they did not stop believing. They did not dematerialize. They're here. And there's some other rally cry that is coming. 100%. And I think it's just being a bit more aware of taking the online world a bit more seriously. I think this old notion of the internet being... It's just on the computers and it's not going to enter real life. We've yeah. got to get rid of that notion. Yeah. Like You're anything right. there is real life and we've got to keep an eye on it. And that goes for, you know, who, you know, whoever's out to protect citizens, whether it's law enforcement, like people need to be aware of what's happening on there. Yeah. Yes. Because I think at the moment we're just not really properly equipped to do that. Okay. I, I didn't want us to wrap up without saying the exciting news. Oh, oh. Are you against that? What are you talking about? <laughs> that we're, we're going to take armchair and endanger oh, us on the road. Yes, we are. Oh, my yes, God. You scared me that I had a crazy no, I, idea. I, I can't read you. I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> I love watching that because I knew what you were talking about. I love that moment. Yes, let's do it. Yes. So I just wanted to say that so many folks on the comments have said that they want to hang with us. They wish they could also be a part of this conversation. So we are going to take this conversation on the road and do some live shows of Armchair and Dangerous. And we're so excited. So excited. Because David excited. has to do all the work. <laughs> take, take this New Zealander on the road. <laughs> no, I'm excited to see some cities that aren't Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles, but I'm excited to see more of America. Well, what's really cool is you'll, you'll see all of America, but you'll see armchairies everywhere you go. Oh, man. And you'll be like, how can there be this consistent group of people through all these places? They're all like the nicest human beings yeah. you could ever meet. When was the last time you two were on the road? So our last live show was UCLA February 1st, 2020. Okay. And before that, we did Nashville with Dirk Bentley and Martina in November of 2019. Okay, that makes sense. 2019, November. Yeah. I mean, so 2020 going, was the skipped year. skipped December of, and January. And, yeah, that makes sense. But two years in November. Yeah. If we didn't do a show until November, that would be two years we haven't done a live show? That yeah. doesn't feel possible. Really? We had March scheduled of 2020. Yes, we canceled that. That was right at the very, very beginning. And yeah. I remember we were on the fence about it, and then we canceled. Yeah. We almost were too. But we have to also irresponsible. We're saying a year, <laughs> like we keep saying a year, COVID a year. It's actually not. I mean, it's a year and a half. Absolutely. It's eight months into this year, yeah. and we're still in it a little bit. You're absolutely right. So I think that's messing with people's sense of it as well. Mm. And ours, like, to, yeah, of course, we only took two months off, technically. Since, oh, since right. the or, world or, shut yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. just been that yeah. long that the world has been shut down. Yeah. Oh, my God. Think if the only thing you do is tour, like these musicians. Like, we did our main job, but fucking, oh, my God. Can I you know. imagine your last show was our last show? Yeah. And that that's was. all you do? <gasps> well, that was, that was yeah. episode 183 was Jason DeLeon mm -hmm. and Matt Damon's 352. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> well, well, thanks for taking me on the road with, with oh, you. Oh, we're so excited. excited. <laughs> what if a bunch of people just drove their car into a tree when Rob said that? Like, they just realized, like, oh, fuck, and I'm <laughs> fucked too. <laughs> when are we going to put the tickets out there? They said um, in the next week or two. Oh, great. Okay, great. So, so keep your yeah. eyes peeled for that. Yeah, we're going to do a live show, Armchair and Dangerous, the four of us, everyone you just heard. Love you. Bye. Bye.